dividend issue. Uh, the, the fact that uh, a wealthy person has more dividends and is going to make save five thousand dollars, where you're only going to save five hundred, you don't care if he's going to save five thousand. You care about saving the five hundred, and yeah. that's why this can be very popular, particularly with older folks, with seniors. And it seems like there's an awful lot of people. Do people n- n- underestimate the number of Americans who get dividends who are own own stock? Uh, this is he, something that we talked about at, at Cato. We did the original study on this emergence of this new investor class, the shareholder class of Americans, which is growing by leaps and bounds every year. And we had said in the study that we did three years ago that as more Americans start to become capitalist owner workers, that their whole attitude about uh, public policy changes, they would become more libertarian, more free market in their orientation. And I think this is one of the first signs of that because there are 85 to 90 million Americans who now own stocks. And you know what? When President Bush says get rid of the dividends tax, this is very appealing to them. And a lot of those voters are actually Democrats. And when they hear the Democrats say, well, that's just a tax cut for the rich, a lot of Democrats say, wait a minute, I'd I'd like a little piece of that action. You know, I have been making the comment that uh, the week that President Bush's uh, tax cut came out was a very uh, good week, actually, for Republicans because uh, the president came out with a $600 billion tax cut. And that same week, the uh, Ways and Means Committee minority chairman uh, came out for reintroducing the draft. So this is a pretty good week when the, when the Republicans want to cut taxes and Democrats want to reintroduce the draft. Well, let's talk for a minute about what the Democrats want to do. What is their plan? Other Spend, spend, spend. Spend more money. <laughs> it's the only thing that the Democrat plan stimulates is government spending, in my opinion. They, well, they want to bail out uh, Democratic governors. Uh, right. I think there's one in California, as I recall. <laughs> uh, and if they uh, spent like drunken sailors, they want to. Uh, this is a dangerous game because countries that do this, uh, in other words, they they tax at the central government level and spend at the state and local government. I want I'll name two: Japan and Argentina. They get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, so we don't really want to go down that route. And then they, uh, the other thing is uh, tossing money at folks for a single year and then pulling the rug out for them in the following year. Uh, I hate to be cynical, but uh, it doesn't seem like they want to do anything nice in 2004. Maybe it's because it's a presidential election year. Yeah, I can't believe that. But, you? Uh, uh, you know, the, we, we really have to be looking a little further ahead. And one thing we know is that uh, uh, what a lot of these folks are calling uh, jump-starting the economy is more properly referred to as a flash in the pan, and it's useless and does no good. The idea that you can stimulate the economy through government spending is a superstition that has been held in this country since uh, Keynes was really um, popular. And it has been disproven time and time again. Government spending does not stimulate the economy. Government spending destimulates the economy. In fact, the best example of that is the last few years. The only area of the economy that's been growing very rapidly has been government. If it were more government spending that could get us out of this rut that we're in economically, we would all be living in fat city right now because actually city and state budgets have risen very dramatically, as has the federal budget. I asked Milton Friedman uh, a month or so ago, what is the most important thing we can do to help the economy? He said, cut government spending. Then I said, by how much? And he said, as much as possible. That's what we ought to be doing, not expanding government spending, but cutting it back. And we we still are expanding. Oh, 9% a year, past two years, uh, government consumption's up almost 12% over the past four federal, over the past four quarters. Yeah, it's uh, it's very bad. And it's a burden, not a not a benefit. A uh, good example: uh, the the country that most tried to grow itself with with uh, big spending programs, of course, is Japan. It's been flattening its back for more than a decade. The country that cut uh, government spending by about five percent of GDP very quickly, Ireland, 
That's supposed to be bad in Keynesian economics. They grew 7% a year ever since they did it. Uh, they took a big load off the backs of, of current and future taxpayers because you knew that with cheaper government, uh, the private sector had room to grow. The Celtic Tiger. A lot of these yeah. cash-strapped states say, oh, we can't balance our budget without federal help. There's nothing we can more cut out of the budget. I, uh, I was having uh, lunch with uh, Bill Owens, the governor from Colorado, who got an A on the Cato Institute fiscal report card. And he was saying, you know, I can't believe they're saying we can't cut anything out of the budget. I just found out that in Colorado, in 42 other states, we're actually paying Medicaid recipients for for free Viagra. Now, I'm all for sexual <laughs> satisfaction, but I'm not sure taxpayers should be subsidizing it. Although, Ella may have a different view on that than I do. Well, I, I, I would like to hear... Uh, I refuse uh, to answer on the grounds <laughs> that it might tend to incriminate. I was gonna, I'd like to hear Ron Paul get up and say exactly where in the uh, Constitution does it authorize us to pay for that. I know it's a state issue, but... Well, it's, it's an amazing uh, uh, con. Medicare in general is, uh, gee, let's tax young people to, to uh, subsidize older folks. Older folks are not necessarily poor, you know. Yeah. And, um, but if, if, if young people want to send me money, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, you brought it, both you and Steve brought up two points that I think come together. You, um, Alan, brought up the point that uh, the tax rates, uh, George Bush uh, Sr., got in trouble for raising them to 31%, and now they're up to 38.5%. And, Steve, you alluded to uh, the bright um, the, the bright light in this plan is that it structurally changes and simplifies in, uh, the, uh, the, the basic tax structure itself. Uh, and you said that you thought we might be headed there. We're, we're, let's follow up on that, that flat tax thing. Are we, are we going to get there? Well, this is something that's certainly near and dear to both my and Alan's. Heart. We've been writing about this. Well, you've been writing about it for longer than I have. But I actually 71. do think that the stars might finally be in line to get this done. You know, uh, we're moving more and more towards a, a lower rate system, and we're moving towards getting rid of the double taxation of savings. We're, we're moving towards eliminating the death tax. This plan actually cuts the capital gains tax. So I actually think that if things go right, 2005, folks, is a year to keep our eye on. We might finally get rid of this income tax system, move towards an 18% flat tax, noble to noble taxation, um, gets rid of the tax code that is now something like, what, 12 times the version of the King James Bible. I mean, we don't need a tax system that is that uh, economically men menacing. Who wants that? Uh, who wants to keep it this way? <laughs> well, it's interesting. Some of the opposition to the dividend tax cut is going to come from big businesses. Uh, for example, the CEOs of WorldCom and Enron would have been vehemently opposed to that because they'd have to pay out dividends out of the earnings that they showed on their books but didn't actually have. Uh, so that's uh, a little suspicious. Um, but, you know, the, the beauty of, of what we do seem to be moving to, toward is either uh, no tax on some forms of capital or at least flat rate forms like 20% on capital gains, maybe 15, whatever. Um, if you have a flat rate tax on interest and dividends, Hong Kong is an example, you don't have to report it on your form because it can be taxed at the source. That's one critical element of simplicity in the hall Rabushka flat tax bill. Uh, technically, Hong Kong has a, a progressive rate of tax on income, although with a tax, top tax of about 20%, <laughs> you know, you could live with that. But on, but on interest dividends, they have no tax on interest and dividends or capital gains. But, but to the extent that those things are taxed, they're taxed once at the source. And, you know, this seems like a pipe dream that we could move towards a, you know, 15, 16, or 17% flat tax rate. But you know what? One of the most socialistic countries in the world 
Russia, Russia. now yeah. has a 13% flat tax. I said 13, not 30%. We're at, what, 39%, and they're at 13, which makes them two-thirds lower. They have had tremendous economic growth in Russia. Putin says that this is one of the major reasons. And you know what? They're actually getting more. They've reduced the tax cheating that goes on. People are paying the 13%. They weren't paying the 60 and 70 and 80% rates. So if Russia... The paragon of socialism can move towards a free market system. Surely we can do that here in the land of the free in the United States. They also cut the corporate tax from 35 to 24 and knocked a few points off the payroll tax, and revenues are pouring in because things that used to be done under the, under the table are now out in the open, and people are willing to pay reasonable rates. Okay, that's in 2005. Uh, looking realistically at 2003, what do you think the president's going to get out of this? He gets something on dividends. Uh, and and we got to be careful that it's not some Mickey Mouse compromise. Uh, one Mickey Mouse compromise is to exempt 600 bucks or something like that. Uh, the minute you make seven, you you probably sell stock to avoid getting. And, and so that's really pretty useless and very. It's expensive in the sense it loses revenue, but it has no marginal effect. Uh, another bad uh, inferior compromise would be a percentage, like half. We used to do that with capital gains. We don't anymore. So what that would mean is that if you had $1,000 of capital gains, they'd be taxed at 20. And if you had $1,000 of dividends, you happen to have a low salary that year, they might be taxed at five. And so that doesn't make any sense either. That would be a goofy distortion. I, I think at the, the, the one thing I would, would settle for, maybe I shouldn't settle for anything, and I don't think we're going to have to, uh, would be a 20% flat rate on, uh, on dividends. I think in the House of Representatives, where you have so many good new... Um, young blood in the in the house that is very uh radical in a free market direction they may actually improve upon the president's plan they may actually pass a capital gains tax elimination they may get rid of the alternative minimum tax they may expand IR